Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. But God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding. His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life. It's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious. Think well. Advance good. This is Q. much about peace, peace, peace. But what I was so gripped by, even in the Holy Land, is that you can't know peace apart from the Prince of Peace. And sometimes when there's conflict, when there's labeling, when there's us versus them, uh, we get back into our own ability to create peace. And Jesus is so clear. He says, the peace I give, the world cannot give. So don't be troubled and afraid. Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons on Faith Radio. I'm Paul Perot, and a few weeks back, the Supreme Court overturned the Roe v. Wade decision that for 50 years made the killing of unborn children legal in all 50 states. The new Dobbs ruling returns the regulation of abortion matters to the states. This has led to a lot of angry back-and-forth rhetoric. But in moving forward, is there a way to bridge some gaps and find at least some policies that would be acceptable to both sides, even amid profound disagreement? Gabe, when you found a cue, key to what you and your team seek to cultivate is summed up in that phrase we heard just a few moments ago. Stay curious, think well, and advance good. Embedded in that phrase is the need for honest, frank discussion. Now, this is one of those areas that our society's gotten very confused about lately. And it's the idea of how do you listen to someone you disagree with, still respect them, still learn from them, still have the humility that lets you know that you don't have everything figured out. You might be convicted about something. You might feel like you understand it fully. But if you had the perspective that said, look, I can learn from everybody. I've, I have a job to do, actually. I have, I have a mission, which is to love people really well. In some ways, you can love people really well by listening to them, even when you don't agree. And then having really civil and respectful dialogue about those things. Well, this is core to the mission of Q Ideas. We have been for now 18 years creating space where dialogue can happen, where two people can sit with one another and not agree on everything, but find some common ground and find spaces with which they agree. And the posture by which we've been doing that is driven by a biblical idea. And this biblical idea is that everyone is made in the image of God and therefore deserving of our respect, of our kindness, of our compassion, of our listening, of us learning about them, exploring, having curiosity about the other person. Well, today you're going to hear a nine-minute talk given by Rebecca Lyons, my wife. And many of you know Rebecca, you've heard her speak, or maybe you've read one of her books, or maybe listen to the podcast her and I host called Rhythms for Life. But together, we're always trying to explore this intersection of faith, life, culture, the new demands that are pressed into all of us in our society as it relates to our mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, and relational health. And and so in the pursuit of that, Rebecca, over the last year, has been just very convicted about this one point, is how do we better understand this idea that we are meant to connect with one another, to listen to one another, to not be pursuing this ideology that it's us versus them, and that one of us has to win. 
And I think in a time where we need some refreshing on some of these deeper ideas, these foundational ideas of how we get along despite differences, um, I think you're going to be really encouraged by what she has to say. It was one of our top rated talks at this last year's Culture Summit because it spoke to a need we all have, which is we long for. We long for us to get along. And we long to know how to get along with people, even when our media, maybe even when the headlines, our social media, and many other areas have become more divisive in our life, that we as individuals, we as image bearers want to be the kind that walk forward and show that kind of love and express that kind of peace in our society. So let's listen now to Rebecca Lyons. Well, good morning. It is such a joy to be with you. 26 years ago, uh, uh, I met this guy, and then we got married, and then three years later, we had our firstborn, Cade, many of you know, with a Down syndrome diagnosis. And within a few years, we moved to New York City, and we had two more children right after Cade, Pierce two years later, and Kennedy two years after that. And it came to my attention that we never really gave Cade the label Down syndrome to our children. He was Cade. Cade was Cade. Cade learned a little differently, took a little longer. He just grew up in our community, and all our kids' friends were noticing they had some questions about Kate. Well, we moved to New York in 2010. Kate is nine at this time. And so there's new kids encountering Kate, and they're trying to understand what's going on with him. And I remember one day Pierce coming home and saying, Mom, what's Down syndrome? Some kids were making fun of Kate on the, on the playground today. They called him dumb. They called him retarded. And a little tear, you know, forms in the corner of Pierce's eye. And he wants to understand what is, what is the thing that's going on right now? Why, why are people being unkind to my big brother, Cade? And so I pulled him in and I remembered a prayer of a friend right when we had Cade, right after he was born, before our other kids came along. And this friend had prayed. That when we would get to explain Cade's diagnosis to our other kids, that God would grace them with just a a love for Cade and that we wouldn't start with a label. Here's the thing. when When you know someone, you no longer label them. And what I learned with being Cade's mom from 26 on, so now we're 21 years into being his mom, is that... When I explained this to his brother and sister, I said, hey, you know what? The label down syndrome is just to help the world understand what Kate has come up again. It doesn't define Kate. It isn't who he is. It doesn't make up his personality. He's still, you know, he still writes with his left hand like his mom. He's a goofball like his dad. Yes, Gabe is crazy. I know you don't see that right now, but at home, there's another side of Kate that Gabe that comes out. And they wanted to know him as him. And what this taught me is just this understanding is that when we label someone, we negate them. And so this has gone on and on and on in different ways. I'm so glad to know that there's advocacy around special needs, and this is not something that is so alienating and isolating. But I look at 2020, 21, 22, and the polarization that's come when we continue to label one another, when we continue to put us versus them. So I, want to, I just want to read a moment what Romans is commanding us right here. Let, let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil, evil and cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lack diligence in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. 
Share with the saints in their needs and pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those who do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. And if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. A couple of years after this conversation with the kids about Cade and how people saw him as the other, I went to Israel on a peacemaking trip with about 30 writers. And we had conversations with Israeli and Palestinian mamas who had lost their sons to one another through war. One side in war killed the other side. One side in war killed the other side. And these women had committed to gather, to love To live at peace, right? It was so contrary to what we were even imagining. And and what we did one day, midweek, is we decided to make jam. We came together, about 30 of us, and we watched these women, these mamas, these survivors, who who could have hated one another, who could have decided for the rest of their lives they would not encounter one another, would not be friends with one another, but they decided to break bread and make jam. So we had this jam-making day. And I remember thinking, you know what? We talk so much about peace, peace, peace. But what I was so gripped by, even in the Holy Land, is that you can't know peace apart from the Prince of Peace. And sometimes when there's conflict, when there's labeling, when there's us versus them, we get back into our own ability to create peace. And Jesus is so clear. He says, the peace I give, the world cannot give. So don't be troubled and afraid. And so what does it look like to stay in relationship with someone that you don't really agree with? You don't, you don't see things the same way. You don't land in the same place. You're hearing a lot of conversations today and tomorrow about opposites, right? The polarization of ideas and how there's a war on ideas. But how do we as Christ followers in How are we ones who are peacemakers, who are children of God? It says, blessed are the peacemakers for they are children of God. And then when we hold this tension, I'm reminded of 1 John because I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I I wonder how, how do we be faithful? How do we be a faithful remnant who can hold attention of something that's challenging and gripping and that we can still discern in the armor of God with the belt of truth, that we can understand that there's a difference between the truth and a lie, right? So we can wear a belt of truth, but also we can be have feet that are shod with the preparation of a gospel of peace, right? So we can hold the tension of knowing truth, but we can be ones who carry peace. That when we enter a room, we are carriers of peace. We usher in peace. I'm coming here to this idea of how do we know God through love? If we're supposed to live at peace through love, then when we jump here, it says, those one who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. Well, we could start there. So maybe we could people who love, who carry peace because we know God, because God is love. And we don't need to expect people outside the church to act the same way because perhaps they don't know God. But if we do and we claim to be born of God and know God, um, the one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but he loved us first. Sent his son to be the atoning 
sacrifice for our sin. So if God loves us in this way, we must love one another. We also must. It's a must. It's not an optional. It's not a maybe. It's not if they agree with you. It's not if they don't call you names. It's not if their son did or did not kill your son. We must show love. Dear friends, this is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. So when the spirit comes as a counselor who brings us peace, we now can remain in him and we see and testify that the father sent his son. And we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. So what? What do we do with this? God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. This is the point. This is the point that we remain. Not only do we remain in God, we remain with one another. We remain in relationship. We decide to not leave the room when we hear something we don't like. When we hear something we don't agree with. We decide not to break covenant or break relationship as brothers and sisters. It's in the church and it's outside the church. How do we remain? How do we remain in love? Here's the thing right here. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. The one who fears is not complete in love. Do we need to be that person? Do we need to be as sons and daughters of God? Again, peacemakers who are children of God. Do we need to be the ones who fear that involves punishment? We love because he first loved us. And this is how we know we are God's children. When we love God and obey his commands. And these commands are not a burden. We remain. If the seedbed revival is prayer, I also believe that the seedbed of revival is when we remain. That we set a tone as a church, as the people, the sons and daughters of God decide we are going to stay. We're going to stay in relationship with one, with one another. We're reconciled to the father, reconciled to each other so that the world outside could see that we did not leave the room when things got hard. Well, this is Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons and uh, Gabe's wife, Rebecca, there with a powerful talk from this past spring's culture summit on getting away from an us versus them mentality that, Gabe, is so prevalent in much of our discourse today. This was how we began the culture summit. This is one of the final talks of the first session where we were already talking about contentious issues. You could feel the energy in the room as people were wondering, I don't know if I'm going to agree with everything that's said here, or I don't know if I even agree with the person I'm sitting next to about several of these really complex issues. And there was a breath of fresh air, a freedom in the room that said, no, we can actually learn to get along. We can learn to listen to one another. Right. And now, Gabe, as we continue today's show and think about how, yes, we need to get out of this us versus them box and out of our silos and engage in honest dialogue with those we disagree with, we thought it would be great to see how this is actually played out in real time, in real life. And for that, we want to go back to a Q conference back around 2015, where you had a conversation with Jim Daly of Focus on the Family, and many will recognize that as a Christian organization that promotes traditional family values, and Ted Trimpa, who's a gay rights activist. Now, set up this conversation. You know, at Q, we wanted to address that with research to say, how are people feeling about the moment that we're in? And one of the stats that came back that was somewhat surprising but also so informative was was that 95% of Americans agree on something. And, and here's what it was that they agreed on. 95% of Americans believe that people on opposite ends of the ideological spectrum 
demonize one another so severely that it makes finding common ground impossible. So think about that. Nine out of ten, nine and a half out of ten Americans agree that on the opposite ends of ideas, theology, different things that people are finding to disagree about, politics, of course, that we demonize the other person so poorly that we just can't even come to the middle and try to find ways to get along and to work together for some common ground. And so I'm going to invite you into a conversation that took place at Q that I got to have with two leaders, people from opposite ends of the spectrum, as I said, but people who found common ground. And those two people were Jim Daly, an author and a broadcaster, but he's the president of Focus on the Family, and Ted Trempa, somebody who's been a leading gay rights advocate for many, many years. And these two gentlemen live in Colorado. They share kind of the same space, the same state. They both care about being engaged in the culture, in society, and yet have completely different views about marriage, completely different views about how they should um, work for the common good and maybe even flourishing of people and, and have different visions of that. And yet there was a common problem that they needed to address in Colorado. And in this story, you're going to see how these two people who most would never expect to ever see having dinner together, having conversation together, enjoying one another as human beings, as people, start to work together to do something. And let me tell you, this is what Americans are looking for. This is what people in the world are looking for. They really are. So let's listen to a portion of that conversation with Jim Daly and Ted Trimpa. Just start us off at the beginning. How did your relationship with Ted begin? Uh, it was after a broadcast, actually, we did with Linda Smith from Washington. She was talking about sex trafficking, and she's an attorney and a former congresswoman. And she graded, by looking at all the, the laws in each state, she graded each state. And Colorado received a D grade. And I sat in this broadcast and listened to this uh, 17-year-old girl tell her story about how she was taken into sex trafficking. Which, to be honest, I didn't know 100,000 young people every year taken into sex trafficking in the U.S. And it upset me. So after that broadcast, I thought, I wonder if the Gill Foundation would be interested in working together. And uh, I was kind of channeled to give Ted a call, who he will describe that relationship with the Gill Foundation, but Ted and I met and had an incredible discussion about that issue, but also about spiritual issues. And it, uh, I think it formed the basis of our relationship, our friendship. Ted, I mean, what happened when you saw that the <laughs> president of Focus on the Family was trying to get in touch with you and pursuing, like, just having a conversation? Was that, was that kind of full freakout mode, or were you kind of interested in engaging that? First response was, is it April 1st? Yeah. Um, uh, actually, uh, now that we've known each other these two years or so, maybe longer than that, I regret being the one that didn't reach out to him. Mm. Jim was the one that reached out to me. It's just a little bit of a, not ego thing, but it's like he thought of the idea first. Um, but I have to say I was surprised. And uh, I can tell you, everybody in my firm, everyone asked me, they're like, are you sure? He's, he's going to come here? Uh, I'm like, of course I want to meet with him. One, I've heard great things about him, but also I think you reach a certain point where you get a lot more achieved by having a conversation with somebody than not. Jim, what did your friends think about this pursuit of a new relationship with it, one of the leading gay activists in the country? It was wide-ranging. I mean, it was good. 
that's the thing to do. Let's find solutions. Let's look for that common space where we can work together. I certainly appreciated that support. But it was also, on the other end of it, some donors who called and said, listen, if you're going to work with people like him, I'm not going to support you anymore. And you've got to decide what you're going to do. You know, I think for me, uh, that's not acceptable. And uh, it was more like keep your cash. Yeah. So this cause, I mean. Well, no, it's true. And, uh, and I don't mean that. I can be a little belligerent. But, uh, you know, I just don't see that attitude in the, in the gospel. And uh, Ted is not my enemy. Um, he's somebody that Christ died for just like me. And I think one of the greatest difficulties we have in the church is we have this thing like, yeah, Jesus died for me, but I'm a pretty good guy. I mean, really, you know, so I do all these right things. I have all this right behavior. Therefore, of course, Jesus would die for me. Yeah. And I'm telling you guys, that's a dangerous place to be. We're all sinners saved by grace. And all I want to do in the relationship with Ted, one, is to express that love. I, I think there's something really special about the Lord saying, love your neighbor. Yeah. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but by doing that, that sincerity of care, when you feel that, you are drawn together. You have a greater openness to that human being. And I think the Lord, it wasn't a flippant comment that he made, love your neighbor. Because I think he stamped in our hearts into our DNA that knittedness that occurs when you actually sincerely care about somebody. It's in us because we're made in the image of God. And when you do it, it's irresistible. Both ways. Yeah. And I have to say that our relationship in terms of the benefit that it's had for me, you know, first off, those folks that I work with within the gay community, you know, everybody knows I've worked with and represented Tim Gill and the Gill Foundation. This will be the 18th year. Uh, I'm here today as Ted Trimpa. If you want to know their opinion, I encourage you to call and ask them. So I want to be very clear about me. But I can say that when I say I've been working with Jim, that I've been working with Focus on the Family after I picked them up off the floor. Um, what has happened, though, and I'm playing off of this, this concept of love your neighbor, and for me, kind of a, a grander thought around the philosophy of love, it, it's infectious in how they then react to you on other issues that you may be working. I've been a little surprised. There's just some naturalness of that warmth uh, for me that has spilled into other things that I do. And Ted, you guys specifically worked on human trafficking laws in the legislature here. Why did you, I know you're strategic, like you think about how to get things done. And in this way, it seemed to make sense. Tell us a little bit more specifically about what you guys did together here in Colorado. Well, when Jim came in and described the problem, uh, my first reaction was one of shock. I'm like, how can this be in a state that I consider to be somewhat progressive in a generally progressive way, not a democratic way, a state that is known not for that. And when you looked at the statistics, comparing all of our neighboring states, basically going up and down the I-25 corridor, in terms of state law, we were the worst by a lot. And then I got to thinking about it. I'm like, we're worse than Wyoming? <laughs> so then I immediately thought, we've got to fix this. <laughs> I'm a little competitive. The second piece was um, thinking about how to get it done. And like anything in Colorado, with the Taxpayer Bill of Rights and how we do budgeting, there's always a limitation on money. 
And with the two of us, with Jim coming in, with uh, some of the more traditional, what I would consider right-wing conservatives, Christian conservatives, and me coming in from the perceived left and helping ensure through a Democratic House that we would get the money, uh, it was, it really made, which really is a no-brainer to do, a much more likely reality, given the fact that we could then provide the money. Um, And the other thing I have to say, too, is that that was just the first step of many things that we have been doing together and we want to continue doing together. And I see my relationship with Jim and what we do not as just about things that don't directly affect where we may have opposing views. I saw it as the first step of building a relationship and trust and that love so that there are more difficult issues where on some core beliefs or perspectives we could disagree but there has to be somewhere in there, and where I'm going is talking about the stability of families and the best interest of children and encouraging couples to stay together and families to stay together. There has to be some commonality here. Mm. And where, that, where we have that commonality, I'm not going to judge him, you know, in my non-evangelical sense, <laughs> about how he views marriage, you know, and raising children, and he won't do the same to me but we know we have this higher value of stability and kids that we're trying to do. Well, and I think in adding to that, some of our early meetings always started with our hand gestures going, you know you're not going to change my mind when it comes to marriage. And you'd say, and you know you're not going to change my mind. I mean, you remember those oh, yeah. early meetings? And, and we would say <laughs> things like, okay, now that we got that out of the way, what can we do? And, uh, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And- but it is that acknowledgement. It's okay. We can, we can disagree deeply on the definition of marriage right. and the, the value of marriage in the culture, but it doesn't mean we need to go out of our way to be hated. Well, again, that was just a portion of a conversation between Jim Daly of Focus on the Family and gay rights activist Ted Trimpa, unlikely friends who were able to work together to promote good. The full talk is up on the Q Media platform at qideas.org. Gabe, I I so appreciate the message of today's show, that even with disagreements, the way to find common ground and work for flourishing is going to take some bold dialogue based on respect and humility. We each have to be ambassadors of this kind of message. There's no time for us to wait to be the kind of people that are exemplifying this in the ways that we try to model respect and civility in a society that's so hungry for it. The next generation's hungry for it. They'll look anywhere for somebody who's willing to model and lead this way. And so I hope we can all be those kind of leaders as we move forward. I hope you have a wonderful week. Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.